0: Psalm 48, and we'll read the entire psalm. Psalm 48, beginning verse 1. The Bible says, Great is the Lord. I could just stop right there and say, Amen, right? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. By the way, 4 through 7, it's going to be very poetic language of how God defeated the Assyrian army. So let me begin again in verse 4. For lo, the kings were assembled, they passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled and hasted away. Fear took hold upon them there, and pain as of a woman in travail. Thou breakest the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard... So have we seen in the city of the Lord of Hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever, Selah. We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. According to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion. And go round about her, tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Man, I'm glad I know that God. Appreciate the young lady who is signing during those songs. Man, I got so much more out of the songs watching you sign and just the, the description of those words. But hallelujah, what is Savior? Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. This God is our God forever. What a great God we serve. I want to preach this morning on this subject, how great thou art. How great thou art. You see that word great or a form of it three times in the first two verses and the entire Psalms really about it. I'd encourage you to underline them in your Bible. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then again at the end of verse 2, it says, the city of the great king. And so this morning I want to preach on this subject, how great thou art. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. And Father, we come to thee in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our advocate, our intercessor, our high priest, our great high priest, our mediator, the only one that can get us to the Father. We thank you. The veil has been rent from top to bottom and we have access to thee today. And so, Father, I come in Christ's name asking that you'd forgive me of my sin, cleanse my heart, fill me with thy spirit. I pray, give me the thoughts to think, the words to say, help me to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God would speak to me and each one of us. Please give us ears to hear and hearts to receive thy word. And this morning, as we think about thy greatness, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with the greatness of thee, our great King. And we pray this on in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I love the Psalms, but we've got to really understand the background of so many of these Psalms to really appreciate the Psalms in their full force. And so let me give you the background of Psalm 48. The greatest king, the most powerful king in all the world at this time is Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. There have really been six great world empires in the history of civilization. Egypt, Assyria, Neo-Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And so the second one is the Assyrian Empire. I think you're familiar with that. Nineveh was their capital and it was a mighty force. Sennacherib was the king and as he was moving west, he's wiping out nation after nation after nation. In fact, he even wiped out the northern nation, the tribes, northern tribes of Israel known as Israel and, and destroyed Samaria, their capital. And and now he's descending southward to Judah. And of course, the capital of Judah is Zion, Jerusalem, and he's wiped out everything in his path. Sennacherib is this mighty king. His mighty general is a man by the name of Rabshakeh, and they descend now upon the city of God, the city of Zion, Jerusalem, and they're going to destroy it, they think, as they've destroyed every other nation along their way and every other capital city. And if you know a little of the background of that in the kings, you'll know that Rabshakeh, the general of the Assyrian army, the most powerful army. In the world at that time, he, he basically says to King Hezekiah, just surrender to us. And Hezekiah says, no, I, I believe that our God, Jehovah God, he will defend us. And Isaiah the prophet is encouraging King Hezekiah to, to stand against Rapshaika and the Assyrian army. And Rabshakeh says this, and you can read it, I love this. He says to King Hezekiah, your God is going to be like all the other gods. Your country is going to be like all the other countries. Your capital is going to be like all the other capitals. We're going to wipe you out just like everyone else. And in other words, uh, Hezekiah said, we'll see about that. And so I think you know the story, don't you? The Assyrian army is encompassed, encompassed around Jerusalem. Uh, basically, the, they can't figure out how you, any water's getting in there. Of course, Hezekiah had his tunnel bringing water in there. It, it looks bleak for the, for the city of Jerusalem and for Judah at that time. But on one night, God, Jehovah God, dispatched one angel on one night, and he wiped out the entire Assyrian army on one night. We have a great and mighty God, do we not? And so the next morning they go out and, and there are 185,000 dead corpse out on the battlefield. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers out there on that battlefield that one night, one angel of the Lord destroyed by being dispatched by God Almighty including Rabshakeh, who was the general, the one that basically defied Jehovah God and said, your God's just gonna be like all the other gods. Hath the gods of these other nations defended them. Your God's gonna be just like the rest of the God. And our great God said, I stand alone. I believe in a solitary God this morning. He is the only true and living God. He is Jehovah God, the self-existing God, the covenant God of Israel. And he destroyed an entire Assyrian army One night with one angel. And that was really the end of Sennacherib. The Bible tells us that his own son actually killed him and ascended to the throne, and that was really the, the end of the mighty Assyrian uh, empire as we know it. Let me give you a little background of Sennacherib, and I'm going somewhere, so bear with me. Sennacherib was the haughty king of the Assyrian empire, the most powerful man in all the world, and, and you've got to know this to be able to understand the psalm again in its full force. Sennacherib, the, the king of the Assyrian empire, boasted of these words that he was... Was the great king he would proclaim it he would write it down in their uh, in their writing of those days that sennacherib was the great king he was pompous he was proud he was arrogant he was egotistical he was braggadoces he thought he was the great king and pronounced himself to be so I was studying a little about Sennacherib and we have a pretty good idea from history of what he looked like. In in ancient carving he is pictured on his throne with two arrows in his right hand and a bow in his left hand. And, and it symbolized and signified his desire for conquest and he was very successful with it. Each of his brawny arms was circled with bracelets. He had a jeweled crown on his, on his head. His dark locks and his curly beard flowed down. His strong and sensual features were stamped with cruelty and pride. He was arrayed in sumptuous robes. His throne had, had rich draperies all around. I'm just saying this. Not only did he think he was the most powerful man in the world, he actually was on the earthly side of it, and he portrayed himself to be of such. But here's my thesis sentence. He was no match for the true great king, the king of kings and lord of lords. And you say, preacher, why are you telling us all of that? Because Psalm 46, Psalm 47, and Psalm 48, they're really a trilogy of, of rejoicing and celebrating God's victory over Assyria and God's victory over Sennacherib, the great king, and God's victory over the blasphemous Rabshakeh of the general, they are really three Psalms that were written to commemorate how that on one night, one angel of the Lord, dispatched by our great God, wiped out the most powerful army in the world. And so, that's why, again, verses 1 and 2 mean so much more to me knowing the background. This psalmist is writing it. We don't know for sure who the psalmist was. I personally think it was Hezekiah. I know there's some debate on that, but the superscription says that it was a song and a psalm for the sons of Korah. You remember Korah rebelled against uh, Moses, and God swallowed him up. But God spared his sons, and those descendants would lead the choir, as Brother Beam has uh, this morning. They would lead the choir there in Israel, and and so Hezekiah or whoever God had write down this psalm said, "Let me give." a song for the choir and it's a psalm about how great our God is. Great is the Lord, capital L-O-R-D Jehovah God. He's a great God and he should be greatly praised and in verse 2, I love this it says he is the great king Sennacherib, I'm going to prove to you once and for all, you are not the great king only Jehovah God is the great king great is the Lord you remember in Acts chapter 19 There's a story there of Paul and he gets to Ephesus and he's preaching the gospel and there's a great uproar. And really the uproar is because the gospel is changing lives. I'm so thankful the gospel has the power to change lives. And the gospel is changing lives there in Ephesus. And, and remember the, the, the ones who were making a lot of money with the statues to Diana got upset. And there's a great uproar. And for two hours, the Bible says in, in Acts 19, the people were saying and chanting, Great is Diana. Great is Diana for two straight hours. I say that to say this, I get convicted by that because don't you think if people said for two hours, great is a false God, that God's people should celebrate and commemorate and rejoice and praise, not just now, but for all of eternity, that great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Lord, Because our God stands alone. Great is the Lord, the Bible says. Psalm 147 and verse 5, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. My family and I visited the North Carolina Zoo this uh, summer on a, one of my, on a day off. And man, I was amazed again. I, we, were, it was, we were over here in Asheville. I was amazed again at just the greatness of our God just in creation. You know, God could have created one bird and that would be pretty impressive. Anyone here, can you create a bird? I know I can't. But God did not just create one bird. I mean, we went in there and there were little birds and bigger birds and bigger birds. And, and there were birds that were yellow and green and orange and red. I mean, the variety of just the birds and and the, the magnificent. I mean, every little part from their beak to their eyes, to their, to their feathers, to their wings. I, I just looked at the birds. We went in that bird sanctuary and I just looked at them and I just stopped and breathed to God. You are a great God. Look at what you made, how great thou art. And those are just birds. You think about fish and the other mammals and just the variety and the brilliance of God's, of God's, of God's amazing creation. I think about the plant kingdom. I, I worked my way through uh, Bible college by working in a, a nursery garden. And I remember when I first got to the nursery garden, I was just amazed. I mean, I would be impressed if someone could, could make just one flower. But the variety of God's creation just in flowers. Um, we, we had to work with Azaleas a lot and there were Mother's Day Azaleas and Heno Crimson's and Karen's and White Cascades and Delaware Delaware Valley White and all these different varieties of just Azaleas and Azaleas are just one kind of flower. I'm just saying to you this morning, whether it be the stars in the sky or the fish in the sea or, or the sun, the moon, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom or any other factor of God's creation, your anatomy, my anatomy and how God made our bodies. I'm just saying to you this morning great is the Lord and he's the only one that's worthy of great praise Psalm 92 and verse 5 oh Lord how great are thy works and I want to get in the outline just a minute but I do want to preface it by saying this I'm so troubled because we have so much hero worship in churches today And I understand we should respect our pastor. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 13. And we should give honor to whom honor is due. But if we're not careful, we we elevate and magnify. I just believe we live in a day that humanizes God and deifies man. And we bring God on our level. He's our buddy. He's our pal. And, you know, he. I, someone said to me, I'm cool with JC and just blasphemous things. We bring God down on our level and then we elevate and deify men. And we say, man, that man's a great preacher, and that's a great church. And I understand to some degree what we're saying, but I'm just saying this morning, we've got to be very careful of that hero worship. The truth is, there really are no great men, and there really are no great churches. There's only a great God who enables us. And any good thing you see in me or, or I see in you is because great is the Lord. And I just want to magnify the Lord this morning and say, how great not we are, Not how great he is, not how great that is, no, how great thou art. And if he is great, then I believe we should have some responses to our great God. So here's my outline. Would you jot it down? I want to give you this morning three responses to our great God. Three responses. Number one, we should praise our great God. That's our first response. I've tried to establish that he is great. So how do we respond to him if he is great? Number one, we should praise our great God. Again, verse one, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In other words, we could say it this way, that our great God deserves great praise. In our day, we we give great praise to great men. The Bible tells us to give great praise to our great God. We give great praise sometimes to great churches or great ministries. And again, I, I think we should respect men and ministries, but I'm just saying, ultimately, great praise only belongs to great our great God. Is that not what the Bible says? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The Lord is greater than any man. Job 33 and verse 12, God is greater than man. The Lord is greater than all. Psalm 95 verse 3, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Psalm 145 and verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. I'm saying this morning, the greatest minds in the world cannot plumb the greatness of our great God. We can't fathom, we cannot perceive, we cannot discern, we cannot understand how great our God is. In fact, I think when we get to heaven, part of eternity is just going to be understanding more and more and more about how great our God is. And if he is that great, then he deserves great praise. Again, Jerusalem, do you think about Jerusalem ever? There's nothing about Jerusalem that really makes it a great city. All the great cities in the world in those days, they were by the Tigris or the Euphrates River, or Rome was built on a river. They they were connected to waters, connected Jerusalem was not. That's why they had to have Hezekiah's tunnel. There was nothing about Jerusalem that made it a great city other than this. It was the city of the great God. And again, Temple Baptist Church, the church I pastor, the church you minister in, there's nothing about our churches that that makes us great. The only thing that's great about our church is that we have a great king that we serve. And he's the only one, again, that is worthy of our great praise. Praise. Again, verses four through nine are very poetic in nature, describing this battle and how God delivered Jerusalem in a mighty way. I love verse number eight. Would you look at it with me, please? It says, as we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah, think about that. Would you underline that phrase there in verse eight? As we have heard, so have we seen. I love that phrase. Here's basically what Hezekiah or whoever the psalmist is is writing what they're saying. They're saying, as we have heard, so have we seen. We've heard what our great God did in days past. We heard how he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. We heard about the plagues. We heard about the 10th plague and the, the Passover. We heard about how God sustained his people in the wilderness for 40 years. We heard about how God had them cross over the Red Sea and the Jordan River. We heard about how God knocked down the walls of Jericho. We heard about how God had the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still so Joshua could defeat the five kings of Jerusalem. We heard all those stories, but look here. Now we saw it for ourselves how great our God is. As we have seen, as we have heard, so have we seen. And we just want to praise him. And I love that because it's in essence saying, we heard about it, we heard about it, we heard about it. But now we we saw it with our own eyes. We saw our great God and how on one night he defeated an entire army. Wow, what a great God and how worthy is he of our our worship and our praise. Let's apply it to where we are. I can say the same thing. As I have heard, so have I seen. Man, I've heard how the Lord saved other people, but I was there when the Lord saved my soul. Were you there, the Lord, save your soul? Man, he's a great God. I've heard how other people said, man, God answered my prayer, but I've seen it and experienced it for myself that God answers prayers. I've seen how God has given victory. I've heard, I should say, how God has given victory over other people, but I've experienced in my own life how God has given me victory in my own life. I've seen what God has done for others, but I have some God stories for myself where God did something in my life. I have experienced for myself that he is a great God and he is worthy of our praise. And so I wanna ask you a question. Do you praise him every day? I don't mean here in the choir or music practice or um, in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm just saying if our God is as great as what the Bible says he is, then don't you think every day of our lives we should be overwhelmed with his greatness and every day of our lives we should constantly be praising him. I tell our church all the time, we worship God for who he is and we praise God for what he has done. And every day I need to worship him for who he is and I need to praise him for what he has done because he is a great God and he's worthy to be praised. Number two, would you write this down? How great thou art. Oh, he's a great God. And so how do we respond to that? Number one, we should praise our great God. Number two, we should ponder our great God. We should ponder. We should meditate, muse, think about our great God. Would you look at verse 9? The psalmist under the inspiration Holy Ghost, says, We have thought of thy loving kindness, O God, in the midst of thy temple. Would you underline that phrase, we have thought of thy loving kindness. <laughs> He's a great God, and, and we go to the temple, and, and we think about him. We think about his loving kindness. His covenant love toward us. By the way, the the New Testament comparable to the Old Testament loving kindness would be grace. It's the comparable word, the comparable word. Loving kindness and grace. And I think Hezekiah maybe or whoever's writing this is saying, you know what? We did not deserve for God to deliver us from Assyria. Look at our background in Judah. We've had some bad kings and bad prophets. We've been guilty of idolatry. And yet, when I think that God would be loving kindness, I show His loving kindness, and that He would be loving kind toward us to give us the victory, man, I think about that, and I just say, what a great God we serve. Let's put it to where we are. Anyone here deserve to be saved? Anyone here deserve, we sang the old rugged cross? Anyone here deserve to have Jesus Christ die for them? Absolutely not. When I think about who I am and what I am without Jesus Christ and where I was, and I think about the fact that He saved me and He gave me grace, man, I just got to ponder my great God and say, what a great God we serve. And it'd do us all well every day of our life just to take some time to ponder to reflect, to meditate, to think about our great God. Someone years ago challenged me to do this, and I do it every morning in my quiet time. I did it this morning. I do it every morning. But they said, Joel, you should thank God every day for five things that he's done for you. And you should praise God every day for five things about, five of his attributes about who he is. And in a week's time, I can't, I can't duplicate any of those. So every day during the week, I try to thank God for five different distinct things that he's done for me. And then I try to praise and worship him for five different attributes of who he is. And I have to exercise my mind to do that because I can take God for granted and you can as well. And I just need to think and ponder about the great God that I serve. He says in verse 10, according to thy name, O God, so is thy praise unto the ends of the earth. Thy right hand is full of righteousness. I wish I wish I had time to expound and exegete that. I'll just say this to say, man, he is a great God and he is certainly worthy of our thought, our pondering. Napoleon Bonaparte said that if Socrates were to enter in this room, we would all rise and do him honor. But Bonaparte said, if Jesus Christ came in this room, we would all fall down and worship him. And I think for, one, for once, I would agree with Napoleon. That if Christ came in this room, we would not be doing this number. Oh, man, I think we'd bow in humble adoration and say, how great thou art. Every day it would be good for us because of the greatness of our God to respond to him with praise. And I think every day it would be good for us because of the greatness of our God to respond to him with pondering, to think and to meditate about our great God. You say, preacher, I have a Greek test. Well, thank God we have a great God to help us with that thing. Luo, Luase, Luay. Lumen Luete, Lucy, Luane. Right? Thank God we have a great God that gives us a brain to help us with that thing. And by the way, our not college is cruel? Why do they always have to put Greek class at like some golly time at 7 o'clock in the morning? That's just cruel. That's preparing you to go to Nineveh, some barbaric, inhumane place. Man, my Greek professor, he was like an old British bulldog. Had big old jaw bones and big old cheeks. And we had Greek at 7 o'clock a.m., and he was short and plump. And he'd come in there. All right, boys. And, then he'd make us say, conjugate verbs and say our vocabulary words and all the rest. Seven o'clock in the morning. Man, I can't even remember my name, much less lou O, on seven o'clock in the morning. And then he'd give us that speech. Man, he'd shake those jaws. Man, his jaws were like big old British bulldog jaws. And then he'd say, ah, if you can't conjugate this, I'd hate for it to be in your church someday. Man, he'd get on us. You didn't get your Greek work done. What are you going to do? Make an excuse? I didn't have time. I had a funeral. I had a wedding. I didn't have time to prepare for Sunday night. Man, he'd preach at us about that. And he was actually right. (laughs) I'm just saying, aren't you glad we have a great God to help us with Greek? You say, I have a school bill. How am I going to pay my school bill? I'll tell you how we have a great God. By the way, some of you need to claim verse 8. I've heard how God provided other school bills, and I want to trust God to see it in my own life. Is God not the same God? By the way, verse 14, this God is our God. I'm glad the God of Hezekiah is my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my God. The God that knocked down Jericho, he's my God. And listen, he, he got me through Bible college without owing anything at the end. And you've heard me say it. Now see it for yourself. Ponder about how great our God is. Some of you say, I just need a mate. Well, for some of you, man, it really takes a great God to get you there. <laughs> but I think he'll get you there. I say you can trust him. How... I'm looking at some of you, it's going to take a lot. Well, I was talking. <laughs> Listen, now, not how great we are. How great thou art. If you're not careful, you get out of here and maybe even, and I'm an independent Baptist to, the, to my bones, but you'll get out of here and see what this independent Baptist pastor does or that one. And if we're not careful, man, we'll follow a ministry to the nth degree and look at that and ponder how they do things and their greatness I'm just saying we better not get too far from remembering our great God is the reason we're in this thing. If we need to copy anyone, it needs to be the Lord. Here's the third response. Our God is great. We established that. Look what he did in one night to the Assyrian army. And so how do I respond to his greatness? Number one, we should respond with praise. Praise him every day. Number two, we should respond. We should ponder our great God. Think about him every day. Number three. Here's the third response. We should proclaim our great God. Verse 11, it's as if they're going on a tour. Brother Michael, would you make your way up here, please? We're going to have a good public hanging. (laughs) Let's read the verses and I'll explain it. It's like a tour of the city of Mount Zion, Jerusalem. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Now look at the tour. Walk about Zion. Go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bullocks. Consider her palaces. Let's just stop for there. Brother Micah, if you'll come here, it's as if they're going through a tour of, of Jerusalem. And here's what they're saying. I, I read this verse for years and never knew what it meant. Here's what it means. God has wiped out the Assyrian army. And it's as if they're going on a tour of God. And they're saying, hey, Brother Micah, you see the palaces there? Rabshakeh said he was going to knock them down. They're still standing. You know why? Because our God is faithful and he's great. You see the bulwarks over there, Brother Micah? Sennacherib, he called himself the great king. He said we were going to be like every other country. He's going to flatten us. They're still standing. You know why? Because our God is faithful and he's great. You see the towers? Is that the other word he used there? Towers, bulwarks, palaces. You see the towers over there? Perhaps Shaka said he was gonna knock them down. You see them? There's not one stone knocked down. The only thing that was knocked down is their dead, stinking bodies that are being eaten by ravens right now. You know why? Because our God is faithful and he's great. Thank you, Brother Micah. So because of that, what does 13B say? He says, Y'all need to tell it to the generation following. If our God is as great as we say He is, you got to tell it. You got to tell your kids. Kids, let me tell you. The Assyrian army descended upon us. They had this mighty, flamboyant, outspoken general. They had the greatest, mightiest king in all the world that time. And God took care of them in about three minutes. And I just want you kids to know. We serve a great God. That's what 13 saying. Tell it to the generation falling. Proclaim it to others. How many of you are, are uh, uh, education teachers? You're going to be teachers. Would you raise your hand? You know what teachers need to teach their kids? Oh, you say, I'm going to teach them English. Am, is, are, was, were, be, be, been. Have, as, had, do, does, is, shall, will show what made my must, can, cut. I'm going to teach them their verbs. Taste, feel, smell, sound, look, appear, become, see, grow, remain, stay. I'm going to teach them their verbs. Well, good. Don't forget to tell the generation. Let me tell you how good God is. I've heard about it, but I also saw it. What He did in my life. How many are going to be a? How many God's called you to preach? Would you raise your hand? You're going to be an evangelist, a missionary, and preacher, man. Don't get up there and strut your stuff and say, "Look how great I am." I run this place. I'm the. No, we got to tell the generation. Look how great my God is. Tell that next generation. Proclaim it. How great not I am, how great thou art. Verse 14 finishes with a bang. I mean, it's just like this grand finale. Hezekiah, whoever's writing it, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, for this God, the God we've learned about, Jehovah God, all the way back to our forefathers, The God we have read about, this God, we found out, guess what? He's our God. Man, I was looking before chapel at Shubo Stearns and thinking about what God did at Sandy Creek and looking at Obadiah Holmes and thinking about Isaac Bacchus and there's a picture of John Leland and our Baptist forefathers. I thank God for them. But here's what I love. That great God, He's my God. This God is our God. And does your Bible say forever and ever? The young lady, i like to know your name, but that was doing the sign language. I love that. I was watching her. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Saving, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. And I was watching her sign to the end. I thought, man, that's a good sign to describe the end. That God is my God. Not just to the end. Forever and ever. And look here, he's going to be my God. The great God, he's going to be my guide all the way to death. I told my wife when I die, if the Lord doesn't come back, I hope the rapture happens, but if I die, I want someone to sing at my funeral that John W. Peterson song, Jesus led me all the way. Led me step by step each day. I pastor Temple Baptist Church in Lenore, North Carolina. Until Dr. Spencer, um, I guess maybe until about four months before I became the pastor of that church, I never heard of the city of Lenore, North Carolina. You say, what's in Lenore, North Carolina? Mike is still in Joel Bixler. (laughs) (laughs) I never had heard of the city. But this God is our God, and he led me there. And some of you, this is so exciting. Brother, look at some of these guys right now. They're sitting here in Lattimore, North Carolina. And 10 years from now, they're going to be on a mission field, pastoring a church somewhere. And they're going to be someplace and they've never heard of the name of it. Right now, they have no. If you said 10 years from now, you're going to be there. You're going to be like, where is that? Google it. Listen, this God is our God. Some of you seniors and saying, man, I don't have a place to go after I graduate. What am I going to do? This God is our God. Even unto death. He's a great God. Queen Elizabeth, of course, just died. and There was a lot of pomp and fanfare and circumstance, all that. But not as much as King Louis XIV. If you know anything about him, he... He died in 1715 after reigning 72 years, which was, I think, what, what the Queen just finished, something like that. But he called himself King Louis the Great. He was the monarch there in France who made uh, the, the kind of the bold and brash and famous statement. He said, "I am the state." His court was the most magnificent court in all of Europe. His funeral was equally spectacular, as his body lay in state in a golden coffin. Orders were given that the cathedral should be dimly lit and that they would only have one candle on his golden coffin because he wanted to to make the scene so spectacular that even when he died, he was still great. Man, thousands of people like they just did. Thousands of people came through and here's this golden coffin. It's dimly lit, just one candle. Everyone's focused on him and I love this. This preacher was a little snarky, but I like this. He got up to speak, and here's what he did. When he got up to speak, he knelt down. And against the King Louis' orders, he blew out the candle. And his first words of his funeral message for King Louis was, only God is great. Amen, brother. I would have given him a high five. (laughs) If you get out of here and you... Burn the woods down for Jesus Christ. You better remember, only God is great. You go out of here and you're on a mission field and you have churches planted, nationals trained, God uses you. Remember, only God is great. You have eight kids. I guess that means you're a missionary. (laughs) (laughs) You have eight kids and they all serve the Lord. Don't be saying, look at me. No, only God is great. You turn into the next Dwight L. Moody and thousands of people get saved, you better remember, only God is great. Not how great I am, not how great he is, not how great she is, how great thou art. And boy, Psalm 48 is a great reminder to all of us. I tell our church all the time, we do not have celebrities, we only have servants. No one in our church is great. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. When was the last time you were just overwhelmed at the greatness of our great God? Do you praise him every day? He's certainly worthy of it. Do you ponder him every day? Do you think about how great he is? He's certainly worthy of that. Do you proclaim him? Man, I got to tell this generation, the next generation, that this God, he's my God. And he's a great God. Father, I pray that you take your word. I love the Psalms and I love this Psalm. Thank you for how it is. Minister to my inner man. I pray that it would have had a second birth in the hearts of the hearers today. Lord, I thank you that the God to whom I address right now is the same God that wiped out this Assyrian army. Lord, help me to remember I'm just, a, I'm just a servant of the great, great king. And that you're the only one who's great and worthy of praise, adoration, and worship. Lord, today, I pray that we would have a reminder and we would remember it not just this day, but the days that follow. How great you are. And help us to be overwhelmed, to stand in awe of thy greatness. Father, I pray that you take the word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.